Amen. Well, this past week, uh, the mighty Tundra, my beloved truck, was in the shop. It needed some repairs, some extensive repairs, but she's okay. She made it through. What if I were to, after they called me and said, hey, Mike, your truck's all ready, what if I were to sneak over there with my extra key in the lot, grab the truck, and drive away without paying? I mean, that'd be wrong, right? That would be stealing. What if I'm up in the law office and I'm working away on a sermon and I forgot to bring something for lunch and, you know, I just don't have any money on me, so I run into the giving box and grab a quick 20 and go next door to the Crystal Cafe? That would be stealing too, right? What if I blew off work this week and instead of teaching God's word and shepherding God's people, I watched World's Funniest Fails on YouTube all week or surfed social media? and got no work done. Is that stealing? What if I focus my life on the pride of my possessions so I can obtain as much as I can and then have nothing left to give to those in need? Is that stealing? What if I save myself hundreds of dollars by fudging a couple numbers on my tax return next month? I mean, the government's so corrupt. They're stealing from us. I'm going to steal from them. That's not really stealing, is it? Does God really care about stealing? What even is stealing? God's moral law is going to tell us all about that this morning. So let's jump. If you're already in Acts or Acts, wow, Exodus chapter 20. Last week we looked at the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. God created sex and he created marriage between one man and one woman to be the exclusive covenant location for the sexual union. We're commanded to respect and enjoy that covenant. We are to prioritize, prepare for, and protect marriage as well as praying for marriage. And we love others by honoring marriage. This week, we turn our attention to another short and seemingly simple command. Let's look again at God's law in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. Again, just two verses in the Hebrew, lo ganaf. Author uh, Philip Riken says of the Hebrew that it literally means to carry something away as if by stealth. So picture like you're, you're grabbing something that isn't yours and you're sneaking away so that no one can know. And breaking it down means stealing or stealing means, rather, taking something that isn't yours. Another good verse to remember as evidence for the existence of God. Again, playing into the moral argument for God's existence. Every culture in the world knows it's wrong to steal. You can't just go into someone's house and take something that's not yours. Just like you can't murder someone else in cold blood. Every culture has that. You can't commit adultery. Every culture has that. So if we have a standard law a standard conscience that's written on everybody's hearts that just happens to be there, then we must have a standard lawgiver. And that is God himself and God exists. This is another commandment where we're tempted to settle for checking the box Christianity. I'm good. I haven't stolen anything. I don't take money. You know, I, I even returned my neighbor's weed whacker when I was done. I mean, I'm good. My conscience is clear. I'm killing this one. One survey found that 90% of evangelical Christians say they have never broken the Eighth Commandment. Really? Wow. 
What is forbidden here is stealing, taking what isn't yours in any way, shape, or form. And we will get into how we still violate this commandment in 2023 America all over the place. One related matter we need to set the foundation of is this. What is forbidden, again, is stealing someone else's stuff. And inherent in someone else's stuff is the reality that you can own stuff. You can have private property. If you don't have private property, then nobody can steal anything because it's not your property. But inherent in this command is the idea that God is okay with the private ownership of property. Private ownership is not forbidden. Stealing someone's private property is forbidden. One commentator points out, for this reason among many others, the Christian must oppose communism and socialism. For those things inevitably lead away from private ownership and towards collective ownership. God is okay with private property. It's it's the underpinning of this, this commandment here. What does it mean to own something? Can we actually own something? These things and more we shall discuss. But allow me to state this first point right up front. We are commanded to own our own property legally. We are commanded to own our property legally. I hope you've seen this pattern within the moral law, for example. The seventh commandment, of course, last week with adultery, does not forbid sexual relations, but it forbids unlawful sexual relations. Here in this commandment, again, what's not forbidden is private ownership of property. We can have stuff, but we need to have those things lawfully. The Heidelberg Catechism helps us here. Question 110 says, God forbids not only outright theft and robbery, which governing authorities punish, but in God's sight, theft also includes all evil tricks and schemes designed to get our neighbor's goods for ourselves, whether it is by force or means that might appear legitimate. In addition, God also forbids all greed and pointless squandering of his gifts. It's all in how you come to the ownership of these things. Did you do it by lawful or unlawful means? There's really only two ways that you can come into ownership of something. Lawfully. Either you buy it with your hard-earned cashola, or it is given to you. It's an inheritance. It's a gift. Those are the only two ways that you can lawfully own something. Either you buy it or it is given to you. J.I. Packer writes, it is not God's will for us to have anything that we cannot obtain by honorable means. If we have something by unlawful means, it is not God's will for us to have it. How countercultural is this? It's even our cultural, the, the way the, the economy is built. It's built on stealing. The government steals, employers steal, employees steal, major corporations steal deceive, mislead stockholders and the public. Martin Luther wrote, if we look at mankind in all its conditions, it is nothing but a vast, wide, stable full of great thieves. Thank you, Martin Luther, for stating it like it is. Our whole culture is built on stealing. You probably see in the news today that one guy said the U.S. economy has 48 hours left because some big bank is going to fail, and of course, all the major stockholders dumped all their stock like last week conveniently. It goes on all around us. But did you, did you catch that last part of the Heidelberg Catechism when we read it? 
God also forbids greed. Greed fuels stealing. The more we desire something, the more tempted we are to get it by unlawful means. And I'm going to give us, just, just to set this table a little bit, four ways that greed feeds stealing. The first greed feeder is this. You need to have it because you deserve it. If you're old enough like me, a child of the 70s, you remember those McDonald's commercials today that said, have a break today. You deserve a break today. So go buy yourself a Mick Hart clogger and buy yourself whatever those things are. And it's been an avalanche of marketers ever since that says, you deserve this. You deserve that new car because you drive so much. You deserve that exotic vacation because you work so much. You deserve new clothes because you have to feel good about yourself and make a good impression. You deserve everything in aisle 79 of Target because you had a hard day. It's a false sense of entitlement based on an overinflated view of our needs. And it fuels greed, and greed fuels the desire to break this commandment. We don't deserve anything. Truth is we deserve hell, not a Big Mac. Greed feeder number two, you need it now, so pay for it later. Our great-grandparents had this crazy idea. If they couldn't pay for it, they didn't get it. If they didn't have the money for it, they didn't get it. But now, in our country, we've stopped asking how much this particular thing is. Instead, we ask how much a month is this particular thing. In 2022, consumers added an all-time record of Get this, $180 billion in new credit card debt. We are closing in on $1 trillion of consumer credit card debt in the United States of America. And I'm not going to stand up here and say that all debt is bad, like few people can plunk down a couple hundred Gs for a house. But if you're paying for something on credit and you have no idea how you're going to pay that back, that's sin. If you're continuing to accumulate debt for things that you don't need, that is sin. Why? It's fueled by greed. The third greed feeder, you need the newest. It never stops, right? They just keep building new stores. They keep making new products. They change one thing and it comes out and you and now you need this one. Ever actually need something and you research it? You go out of your mind. I'm looking at a power washer right now. I'm like, all I want is something that makes the water come out really hard to get the mold off my house and so I can do my deck in the spring. There's 40 gajillion kinds of power washers. They're going to Acme for salad dressing. I just want salad dressing. I don't want an aisle full of salad dressing. In this country, it's amazing. We are drowning in options. We have an overabundance, which is driven by corporate greed and corporate marketing that floods the market with a continual supply of what's new, and you need it. Too many choices. And the fourth greed feeder is... You need it now, and we'll deliver it right to your door. Thank you, Amazon Prime. I can just do it on my phone. I love and hate Amazon Prime at the same time because it's so easy. They have so much stuff, and they make it so easy to return, and it just shows up the next day. I don't have to go to a store. I don't have to talk to anybody. It just shows up. I say those things to make us aware. Here's the thing. Culture is working against us with this commandment because greed is all over our culture and greed feeds the temptation to violate this commandment and get our stuff in unlawful ways. And we've got to know that's the air that we breathe. We've got to know that's all around us. 
The more that they can make us feel that we need something, right, the more tempted we are to break this commandment. And if we can get to that point where I absolutely have to have this, then suddenly this commandment can be broken in more ways than we think. And so speaking of it, how do we violate this eighth commandment today? How do we violate this in 2023 today? I'll give us a few buckets to try to get our arms around this. We violate this commandment by stealing things, people, or time. We violate this commandment by stealing things, people, or time. First, we steal things. Straight up, of course, we can take stuff that isn't ours. It's called theft. And police, up until seemingly recently, tend to arrest people for that and prosecute people for that. Although we see these kind of smash and grab mobs that come into the stores, take all that they want, and then run out, right? It's still, it's rampant in our culture today. I can remember, and mom, I don't know if you're listening to this or not, but I can remember being like five years old, right? And I did the, the quintessential kid thing. You know, you're there at the, at the pharmacy, and they just have candy right there at kid level, you know? So what did I do? You know, boink, and I get back in the car. And I'm chewing gum. Of course, my mom, being a good mom, going, where did you get gum? Oh, it's a great plan, right? When you're five, you don't think these things through. And I said, well, the guy at the store gave it to me. So now here I am. I already stole. Now I'm lying. See how this works? Sin is always, <laughs> it always wants more. So now I got to tell a lie, the world's dumbest lie, because she knows the guy at the store didn't give it to me, and I certainly don't have enough money to buy a pack of gum. And what did she do? She made, turned right around and made me go and tell that guy that I took the pack of gum. It was terrifying. I needed counseling for years. But it was the right thing to do. <laughs> it was absolutely the right thing to do. We can steal all kinds of things. Cars are broken into in our neighborhoods. Construction sites have materials or tools stolen from them. Houses are broken into and robbed. Cars are jacked at gunpoint. Gangs go around in major cities, as we said, enter the stores, grab what they want, and roll out. Porch pirates steal our precious Amazon Prime deliveries. <laughs> we touched on it already. Of course, you can steal money. Money's the most blatant way that we can steal. Sure, we can flat out take someone else's money from them, or we can go in and rob a business at gunpoint. But what if we borrow money from someone and we don't return it? What if we're just, again, buying things on credit, just running up our credit card debt with no ability to pay that back? Romans 13, chapter 8, tells us clearly, owe no one anything except to love one another. And again, tax season is upon us. We violate this commandment when we don't pay our taxes or when we cheat on our taxes to pay less. Jesus told us clearly, pay your taxes. Render unto Caesar what is his. Of course, the government is corrupt, but that's not the qualification for obeying the commandment. Riken notes, and I would surely agree, the government steals too. With its huge bureaucracy, the federal government commits theft on a national scale by wasting public money and accumulating debt without fully planning to repay. Deficit spending is really a way of stealing from future citizens. It's true, we see it all around us, but that doesn't get us out of our responsibility to do what the Lord has called us to do. We also steal when we don't render to God the tithes and offerings that are rightly due Him. 
and I always have to caveat this right away, whenever we get into tithes and gifts and offerings, Highlands Bible Church, you guys are extremely generous. You guys are very, very generous in your tithes and gifts and offerings, and we'll see that again in a little while at our, our member meeting when we give a finance update. But Highlands, you're the exception. The average evangelical doesn't tithe anything. Nevertheless, what they need to run a church. And when we don't tithe, we are stealing from God. Malachi, famously, in chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, says this. It says, From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? And God says, in your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are not robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. We have to be careful with this, because this does not mean that we give to the Lord Jesus to get from him. But still, there is blessing in obedience. I can tell you that Melanie and I, in our finances, we have tithed faithfully for decades. It just goes right in there every single month, and he has never failed us. And the Lord says, even just test me on this. Test me. See. See if you're going to go without if you give what I'm calling you to give. We can also steal immaterial or non-physical things. Speaking of McDonald's, Mel and I watched a documentary, I guess it was, on Netflix about how that's how McDonald's actually started. There were two brothers that started McDonald's, but then there was this one guy who came in and saw what they were doing and took the whole thing. Literally stole the whole business model out from these two brothers and cut them out of everything. It still happens today. We can steal intellectual property, we can steal ideas and claim them as our own. We can have copyright infringement, a design, a concept, a business plan. Many of us could tell stories about at work or whatever else where we had this idea and suddenly someone else got the credit for it because they took it as their work. I'm dating myself, but remember Napster? Remember when you could just go on the internet and download any song you wanted to for free? The glory days? And then Metallica lost their mind because they were losing another trillion dollars of their $50 trillion that they already had. And that shut that down, right? But sure, we can steal music without paying. We can pirate movies. We can sneak into concerts without paying. We can steal services from a company. How many of us are running around using someone else's Netflix or Amazon Prime password? Our first apartment, we walked in, turned on the TV, and there was cable. Cable is this thing that's on your TV, and it actually shows live television. They have commercials and everything. It's terrible. But I walked in, turned on the TV, and cable was there. I was not a Christian at this time. I just want to throw that out there. So I'm like, this is sweet. I saved myself like 50 bucks a month. And that went on for probably a long time. And my dad kept telling me, you don't want to do this. That's stealing. I'm like, cool. I didn't have that moral background. I didn't have that moral you know, the, the, the morality of God in my heart in there. I just thought I was getting away with it. 
One day we came home with a nice sticky note on the door that says, guess what? We figured out you have free cable. And my TV went all staticky. And I did not have free cable anymore. We're business owners. We can steal from our customers with shoddy work or materials and still charge full price. Mechanics can steal from their customers by saying we fixed a car, but we actually didn't fix the car or fix it halfway. Customers can steal from business owners by not paying for the services that was rendered to them. Identity theft is a huge problem in America in 2021. 2021, 15 million Americans had their identity stolen. Many more were victims of fraud. We all get those phone calls all day long from the Social Security Administration or whoever else they are trying to steal our money. Stealing of things is a way that we can break this commandment, whether those are physical things, money, or non-physical things. But we can also steal people. The Eighth Commandment Church is one of the clearest prohibitions that we have against slavery in the entire Bible. Some commentators even think that this is the main focus of this commandment. Slavery being the main focus and prohibition of this commandment. One of the biggest misconceptions is that the Bible promotes or condones slavery. And it most certainly does not. The Bible calls slavery sin. Slavery literally meaning the stealing of people in order to enslave them is a clear violation of God's moral law. It's literally what happened in the South, in the United States in the 1800s. And it's even more shameful that there were Christians involved that said the Bible said that this was okay. It's sin. Exodus 21, chapter six, or 21 verse 16 on the very next page is clear. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. It's, it's capital punishment here. In the New Testament, Paul upholds it as well. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 8. Now we know that the law is good. He's commenting on the moral law of God if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and, and the disobedient, for the ungodly and the sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their mothers and fathers, the murderers. See how he's working his way through the moral law? Honor your mother and father, do not murder. The sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality. For those who think the Bible in the New Testament doesn't speak about homosexuality, you should read 1 Timothy chapter 1. Here it is. Enslavers. Literally means kidnappers. Those who would go and take another human being, kidnap them, and enslave them. Liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, which I have been entrusted. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, God, the Bible clearly condemns slavery. And slavery still happens today, though. Last week, with the seventh commandment, and do not commit adultery, we talked about the filth of the porn industry. So much of that is fueled by sexual trafficking and slavery. People, often underage children, are stolen, taken out of terrible situations, and sold into sexual slavery. Think about that if you were to watch pornography for the next time, and you should not ever. You are contributing to sexual slavery. On a related note, in the support of the Seventh Commandment, when we're having sexual relations with someone that is not our spouse, we're taking something that isn't ours. We are stealing. See how sin layers on top of each other? The whole moral law 
just continues. You break one moral law, you break them all. Besides sexual trafficking, human trafficking is also stealing people, maybe not necessarily into sexual slavery, but into hard forced labor. People, oftentimes, again, children, are stolen and forced to work in factories or farms, sometimes under horrific conditions with little or no pay. So we can steal things, we can steal people. We understand how that enslaves people in sexual slavery or in uh, working conditions. One statistic I saw said that there was close to 30 million people worldwide who are enslaved to forced labor. Many leading brands of clothing, of course, we've seen that break every once in a while over the years, how this one famous clothing maker gets now sued or, or whatever for, for sweatshops and having their clothes made by people who are enslaved. It's unfortunately alive and well today, so we can steal, we can break this commandment by stealing things, by stealing people, but we can also steal time. You might think, okay, well, how can I steal time? One of the biggest ways that we can steal time is employees can steal time from their employers. Employees come in late or leave early or take long lunch breaks or they surf the web aimlessly when they're supposed to be working. They call out sick when they're not really sick or they just don't even put in an honest day's work. The COVID lockdowns, so harmful in so many ways, contributed to this as employees now feel entitled to work from home. But how many of us have the self-discipline to work from home and put in an honest day's work? Employees steal time from employers when they feel justified in doing so. It's the great rationalizer. Well, they don't pay me enough or they don't appreciate me enough. So yeah, I am going to blow off work this afternoon. Or yeah, I am going to call out sick even though I'm not sick. We feel justified. The flip side is a problem as well. Employers abuse employees, oftentimes making them fill multiple roles for the same amount of pay, not respecting a work-life balance. They cultivate completely unrealistic expectations of how much they're supposed to work and the accessibility that they're supposed to have to their jobs. But as employees and employers, over and above that, Christians, we are called to a higher standard. Ephesians 5 tells us to look carefully how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, for the days are evil. Colossians 4, 5 tells us to make the best use of time again. And Colossians 3.23 calls us to work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. And we can steal time from our employers, but as Pierre mentioned, we can also steal time from the Lord himself. Our chief calling in life is to glorify God by becoming more like him, growing in holiness and growing in maturity. Yet how much effort do we actually put into growing in holiness? What things take up more of our time that we consider more important? Are we putting our best energies into growing mature as believers? Parents, are we filling ourselves up so that we can pour out to our children Are we focused on raising them in the fear and instruction of the Lord? As we said last week, husbands and wives, are we prioritizing and protecting our marriages? We all have the same 24 hours in the day, right? Yet the number one thing I hear all the time is I just don't have enough time. I'd like to do that. I just don't have enough time. 
We all have the same time, and you make time for what you value the most. That's the way it works. That's the way it works for everybody. What are we valuing the most? And are we demoting the Lord in the time that we should be spending with him in growth, in holiness? We're not just stealing from God. We're also stealing from ourselves. Our Puritan friend Thomas Watson weighs in on this. He says, he is a thief to himself by idleness when he misspends his time. He who spends his hours in pleasure and vanity robs himself of that precious time which God has given him to work out salvation in. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that we never have time that's in pleasure or vanity or vacation or all those things. We need rest. We need fun. But what's the proportion of that? What's the proportion of what we're doing for fun, for vanity, for pleasure, as opposed to getting after holiness, as opposed to doing the work of the Lord? What we spend our 24 hours on every day has a direct bearing on our maturity in Jesus Christ as a disciple. And also, watch this, what we'll receive as rewards in eternity. We have precious, precious 24 hours in each day. How are we then managing those hours for ourselves, for God's glory, and for our rewards in heaven? We need to invest our time, not waste time. So we can steal things, we can steal people, we can steal time. That's how we violate this commandment. How do we obey this commandment? And again, in order to obey this commandment, we need to set a little bit more biblical framework. And maybe some of you guys have already gotten there in your mind because you're so smart. Here's the big question. Can we actually own anything? Do we actually completely own anything? Short answer, no. We don't own anything. Reason, because every single thing in this world is not ours, it's God's. Ultimately, God owns everything. Psalm 89, 11 tells us, the heavens are yours, the earth is also yours, the world and all that it is in it, is in it. you have founded them. Acts 17, 24 tells us, God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven. In Colossians 1.16, in a glorious Christocentric passage, ends up that all things were created through him and for him. So yeah, we don't actually own anything. Anything we have, we have as a manager for him. One author writes that our possessions are lent to us by the Lord on a temporary basis to use for him. And there's a word that we don't use very often, but it is exactly what we're talking about here, and that word is this, stewardship. We're not owners of anything, but we are stewards of everything that God has given us, graciously loaned to us, temporarily, to use for his glory. And that should change everything of how we feel about our possessions. And if you're from a materialistic, atheistic worldview and you're here right now and your blood is boiling, first of all, thank you for coming, but I get it. I understand why your blood is boiling. It's because you're thinking in your hearts, God didn't give me that job. I earned that job. I went to school, I fought for it, and I clawed my way to the top, and that has everything to do with me and not God. Yeah, you might have done that, but who gave you the brain to do it? Who gave you the breath in your lungs? Who gave you the opportunity to be born in the United States of America where we can actually do something like that? It all comes back to God. It doesn't come back to us. 
Of course, if you don't believe that he exists, that all goes out the window, but then you have to account for all of those things where in perfect harmony for you to achieve what you're achieving, which I think takes a lot more faith than just believing it all by chance, right? We owe everything to God, and we own nothing. So how then can we think of stealing from anyone else? Instead, all of our stuff is given to us from God for his glory, for our enjoyment, and watch this, to help others. One study Bible put it this way, because we belong to the Lord our God, we recognize that all things belong to him and that he has assigned stewardships to each of us. As a result, we do not steal what is not ours, but rather we labor so that we may have benefit our, we may benefit our earthly and heavenly masters and so that we might have something to share with others. See this? The Bible has a radically others-focused perspective, doesn't it? I hope you can see through the second table of God's law as we're working our way through each one of these, it's an others-focus. It's not just on us. Our stuff is not just for us. It's first for God and then for others, and that's the trick of actually how we enjoy the stuff the most, If we try and squander it all for ourselves, we really don't have that happiness. Some of the happiest people I know are the most generous people that I know because they know this. The answer, then, to how we obey this commandment is actually a bit of a riddle. The answer to how we obey this commandment is not just don't steal. It's never that simple. You guys know that by now. We've been in this like eight weeks. The answer to how we obey this is not simply Stop stealing or don't steal. It's a little bit of a riddle. And it's a quirky little verse in Ephesians 4, verse 28, that I absolutely love. I love it because I didn't understand it for the longest time, and then it clicked, right? Paul's talking about the new life that we put off and put on. Look at verse 28. He answers the riddle. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he might have something to share with anyone in need. So here's the riddle. When is a thief no longer a thief? It's not when he just stops stealing. It's when he goes out and gets a job. It's when he earns a good living. He pays for his own stuff. And not only that, he has enough that he can give to someone else in need. That's when a thief is no longer a thief. It's not just checking the box that says, I didn't steal anything today. No, but did you earn your pay today? Did you pay for your own things in your own life today? And do you have enough that you could help someone else who doesn't? Legalism says, just don't steal. The Pharisees say, check the box, just don't steal. The gospel says, because of what God has done for you, get a job, earn your wage so that you can do honest work and pay for your own legitimate needs and help others who have needs as well. Do you see the massive difference in those two things? It's not just checking the box. God calls us to so much more. And once again, it comes down to avoiding this mentality of, I didn't steal anything today, and cultivating the mentality of, how is the fact that I didn't steal anything today allow me to love others more? Again, Heidelberg is helpful here. What does God require in this commandment? That I do whatever I can and may for my neighbor's good. That I treat others as I would like them to treat me. And that I work faithfully 
so that I might help the needy in their hardship. The first four commandments talk about and teach us how we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the last six on the second table tell us how we can love others as much as we love ourselves. Or maybe let me change that a little bit. How we love others as much as we love our stuff. And I hope that convicts you as much as it convicted me. We love our stuff. We're Americans. We love to cultivate stuff. But how much are we working for it to help others in need instead of just accumulating it for ourselves? We steward what God has loaned us for his glory and the benefit of others around us. And so I'll say the big idea this way. We love others through stewardship, not stealing. We love others through stewardship and not stealing. This is another commandment when we look at it, we're just like, okay, now that I understand what that means, yeah, I've broken this. I broke it when I was five years old and stole a pack of gum, and I'm probably not alone. Just one of the many, many reasons that we are separated from God by our sin and objects of his wrath and in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what do we do in response to the word this morning? Maybe it's to stop slacking off at work. Maybe we get a job in the first place and earn an honest living. Maybe we need to pay that person back that we haven't for months or years. Maybe we need to confess how we've stolen things or people or time. Maybe we need to make restitution. Maybe we need to spend time with God in confession of the ways that we've selfishly abused our possessions that he's given us to steward for his glory and for others' good. Maybe we need to realize that we're all thieves in one way or another. But you know what? Jesus was murdered, was executed among the thieves, though he never stole, so he could provide forgiveness for thieves like us. Jesus was literally crucified between who? Two thieves. So he could provide forgiveness for thieves like us. One of the books I was reading this week noted that every violation of any commandment is some form of theft. We bow down to idols and we steal God's worship. We disregard the Lord's day and we steal his day. Murder steals life. Adultery steals purity. Every sin we commit steals glory from God that our lives are to rightfully give back to him. And what did he do? He gave us Jesus Christ to restore us and to forgive us because he knew that our hearts are wicked and deceitful and we would break every single one of these commandments. And once again, we feel the need for the gospel because we understand the conviction of the law. And the law has to drive us to the gospel. The law shows us sin. The law shows us how far short we fall. And then were it not for the gospel, we would be forever separated But we have Jesus. We have the one who was crucified between two thieves, taking on all of that sin on his shoulders so that through faith in him, we could be forgiven. We could be declared righteous. We could be declared not thieves, but people who prosper and work for themselves. We are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are to love others as much as we love our stuff. And we love others through stewardship and not stealing. Father, we thank you for your word. Another short but extremely powerful word from your moral law. 
Lord, help us to understand the depths of, of how we break this commandment. Lord, it seems like another commandment that we want to just check the box and say that we haven't stolen anything. But yet, again, as we look into the mirror of your law, we know that we all have stolen whether that's material things, immaterial things, whether that's time, where we've stolen something from someone else that isn't ours. Father, remind us of the, not, not only the conviction that we have, but the hope of Jesus Christ, where every sin could be forgiven through faith. Drive us to the cross and remind us of your forgiveness and your love. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.